Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Three weeks. We'll get out of this tonight, and hopefully we'll get into chapter 10 uh, next week. As a matter of fact, chapter 10 is in a very laboring chapter. We'll probably get, chapter, get through chapter 10 next week and maybe even try to get into 11. I'm looking at maybe four to five more weeks and we can be done with Daniel. That's just a, that's a, that's not a prophecy. That is just a careful projection, careful projection. However, the word is getting around. I had someone call me this evening uh, that here, go to the church and stuff. Said so they talked to someone and they were talking about this weather and stuff. Said, oh, you know that might, that, you think that's the end times? Said, well, our pastor's been talking about end times on Wednesday nights about Daniel. Said, oh, really? And they're interested in buying the whole set uh, to hear about the book of Daniel. So, folks, I'm telling you, people are looking for knowledge concerning this type of thing and it can be an inroad into their life for something more. All right, could be inroad to the life or something more. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24. Here we go. You might get these memorized before it's all said and done. Seventy weeks are determined upon by people and upon by holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, therefore, and understand that from the beginning or that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until uh, unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And to the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Again, our subject matter is the key to the future. This is part 14C. All right. And uh, 14C, we're not getting to double and triple uh, alphabet letters on these parts, but 14C, and we'll pray right now and go to the, the word of the Lord. Jesus, I come to you tonight. I'm asking God for your help. I pray, oh Lord, this evening, open up our hearts and minds, God, a common prayer that I pray. But Lord, seriously, God, they need to be open, Lord Jesus, this evening. I pray, Lord, uh, hone in and rein in, God, each and every individual's attention. I know, God, this is the middle of the week. They've already faced many things, God. Perhaps they've been combated on different, Lord, venues today, God, and hard maybe for concentration. But I'm asking God for a spirit of concentration. Uh, Lord, would just come and approach us, Lord, and hone us in. Let us be focused for the next little time. Lord Jesus, I pray in the lovely name of the Lord. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated tonight in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. To start out this evening, I'd like to talk just a little bit about uh, this idea and concept uh, between the 69th week and the 70th week about there being this gap. Uh, one thinking is for certain with Old Testament prophecy, whenever they prophesied in general, they were prophesying about uh, a few different time periods. They, they might be prophesying, number one, about their own time period, something that was taking place in their time. Uh, number two, they may have been prophesying about 
that 70 year of captivity that we've talked a lot about and the restoration from all that. Uh, thirdly, uh, they many times were prophesying about the Messiah's first coming, that, that, that coming in as a babe and being crucified on the cross. And then lastly, a lot of times they prophesied then about Messiah's second coming, which is what we've been looking at a little bit here and there. Again, just to go over, a single prophecy may have uh, more than one fulfillment. We have seen that time and again uh, during the past several weeks. There could be a partial fulfillment that happens in the near future and then a complete uh, overall final fulfillment that would happen in the distant future. But also this idea of there being a gap in prophecies uh, in Daniel, this is not like a solitary isolated occurrence of that happening or taking place. And I'll give you a couple of for instances before it's all said and done. There can be these time gaps that you can read a portion of Scripture. It seems like it's very continuous. seems like one blended picture, but there's actually time that's gapped in between some of of what actually is fulfilled and takes place uh, in the word of the Lord now if you will remember from last week a big word for us in verse number 26 is the word after that after those 69 weeks there were going to be a few things that happened and these few things that are happened they're described as taking at taking place after the 69th week yet it seems to be also spoken of as though also taking place before the 70th week. So it's in, in between this, these, these time frames. And, and so thus the gap, uh, the things that were to take place after the 69th week, Messiah is going to be cut off. Jesus Christ is going to die on the, cro- on the cross at Calvary, Golgotha. The destruction of the city and the sanctuary was going to take place. The destruction of Jerusalem and, and the, the, the temple there at Jerusalem. Uh, whenever the Romans would come in and destroy that under the general Titus around 70 AD. And uh, remember, Jesus even said and spoke of it that not even one stone would be left upon another. And so that was indeed the case. And so these things uh, support the idea of a gap because it doesn't say that Messiah was going to be cut off during the 70th week or in the midst of the 70th week, but after the 69th and seemingly before anything is spoken about the 70th week. And so this idea or concept that there can be a gap, for example, in your Bibles in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse number 1 and 2, the verses state these scriptures, uh, and, and, and again, I'm sorry, I don't have nothing to do with this now. <laughs> it's in somebody else's hands. But Isaiah 61 and verse 1, the Bible says, and you, these scriptures should be familiar to you, if not the Old Testament in the New. They were requoted in the New. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. We hear these words, we might be more familiar with them from New Testament Scripture. Whenever we can look to Luke 4 where these are requoted, Old Testament Scripture requoted. And then just as a side note, just real quick, I think about this all times about people that says, to Pui with the Old Testament, but do you know a lot of New Testament Scripture, just Old Testament Scripture requoted? And so it, this doesn't pan out for me. People just want to throw away. Well, what's, what, we need the New Testament. Well, a, a good majority of your New Testament is Old Testament Scripture requoted. And so nevertheless, that's just my commercial for tonight, and it didn't take that long. All right. I didn't get louder whenever I was saying it either. 
<clears throat> but, but in Luke 4, we see these words again. These words happen. Uh, the baptism of Jesus Christ has already taken place. Jesus is starting his ministry around 30 years old, the scripture tells us. And uh, he is in the synagogue in Nazareth uh, on, on, on the Sabbath. And as it is, each individual uh, kind of went through and they had their time of reading from the scriptures. And Jesus, the book was handed to him, the scripture, the word of God, of God. And he picked it up and he read this in Luke 4 verse 18. And it sounds very similar to Isaiah 61 because that's what he was reading. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible says, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to, unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in years. So, so he's requoting Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. But look, if you look at them a side-by-side -side comparison, he stopped before verse 2 was complete. He, he just says the first phrase of verse 2 of Isaiah 61 and 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed up the book. And he handed it over. He says, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. But there's more to that verse in Isaiah. It says, in the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all them that mourn. What's happening right here, Jesus is telling him right now at this point in time, everything that I just read in Isaiah, it's being fulfilled. But where he stopped and didn't continue, that was yet to be fulfilled. The day of vengeance was not in his first coming. The day of vengeance would be in his second coming. His first coming, he's the Savior, you know. He, he's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. But in his second coming, he's coming as judge. So there's, there's scriptures that's right together. It seems fluid, blended together, but there's a gap. Evidently in time, right there, between the first coming and the second coming. Another, for instance, if you will, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 9 the prophet Zechariah says this. Again, it may sound uh, familiar to you. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the co coat, the fowl of an ass. And I will, verse 10, and I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea, even to sea, and from the, the river, even unto the ends of the earth. Now, again, I mean, it's just one word after another, a sentence after another. It seems all just right there. But Zechariah is recording a prophecy that in its interpretation, in its fulfillment, demands, again, a time gap between verse number 9 and verse number 10. Because Zechariah 9 9 is basically quoted again in New Testament scripture in the book of Matthew. It was fulfilled in the book of Matthew. Fulfilled from what we talked about last Wednesday, whenever Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding upon the coat, 
that had never been written upon. And it's stated in Matthew 21, verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughters of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek or lowly, same as Zechariah, sitting upon an ass and a coat, the fowl of an ass. Now, so they requote verse 9, but they don't go on with verse number 10. Right now, here in New Testament Scripture, again, the reason being is because verse number 9 pertained to the moment of that triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. But this other thing about him having dominion from sea, even to sea, even to the river, even to the ends of the earth, that everlasting, vast dominion does not take place until he sets up his millennial kingdom here upon the earth in the second coming. So here are two verses smashed right together in the Old Testament Scripture, but there is undoubtedly a gap in the time frame of each of their fulfillments. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what we have then in the book of Daniel between the 69th week and the 70th week, a gap. And there's things that happen. You know, time doesn't stop. It stops on God's clock. He pushes the pause button. All right. It doesn't stop for us. There's still events that take place. There's still Jesus being crucified on a cross in that time. Jerusalem being destroyed in that time. The church, us coming forth in that time. People getting saved and, and filled with his spirit during that time. And so it doesn't stop, but there is a gap. Now, we've talked a lot about all these 69 weeks, but I want to talk about the last week tonight in verse number twenty. Seven. And, and if I can, I want to write this out just sports for eyes. If we had media, we'd just have it up there. But the first little phrase of this verse is, and he shall confirm. Everybody say confirm. He shall confirm with many. I'm trying to write big enough for, for well, well, you guys that sit far away, this will be great for you because, you know, if you have problems seeing close up, here you go. Uh, for one week. Just that phrase. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Whenever the covenant, I didn't get the word covenant in there, did I? Confirm, you know what it is, right? The cov, I'll go right there, a little insert. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Whenever that happens, whenever the covenant gets confirmed, God takes his finger off the pause button of time and things of the 70th this last week the 70th week begins to start whenever the covenant gets confirmed what starts is what is called the tribulation all right whenever that whenever that covenant gets confirmed what starts is the tribulation now here's the problem with some people have misapplied the he and he he shall confirm the covenant People have called this he the Messiah. I talked about that a little. They have referred that this he is the, the Messiah. When Messiah shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, then all this is going to take place. They have misappropriated the he. But the he does not refer back to the Messiah. The, re, the he refers back to, in your Bibles, uh, in the verses of Scripture, verse number 26, it refers back to the prince. Okay? Grammar just basic grammar the laws of reference is this that whenever a pronoun is used it refers back to the last preceding person mentioned 
And the last preceding person mentioned in verse number 26 is not Messiah. It's the prince, the son of perdition, the antichrist, the little horn. And so whenever it comes then in verse number 27 here and says, and he, that's not Messiah. That's the prince that it's referring back to. So what that gives us is indication that whoever confirms the covenant is the prince or the antichrist or the son of perdition. See, that God has interwoven some really great clues here for us to give some revelation as time will elapse and things will unfold. Whoever confirms the covenant, they are, that's the man, that's the person, that is the antichrist. And so uh, it's not Messiah. And, and the re reason, again, they said this was Messiah, because if you'll remember, in this, in this seven-year time period, which is the last week, right in the middle of the week, remember, three and a half years, right in the middle of the week, this he is going to stop the offerings and going to stop the sacrifices. And again, the reason why some say, well, that was Messiah, because they say, well, then at the middle of the week, that's when Calvary took place. All right? And so he was the ultimate sacrifice. And I said last week, and I just reaffirmed this week, sacrifices did not quit, though, after that. We see for another 30 years after Calvary that there were sacrifices being offered and taking place. So, and for that matter, uh, his second coming hasn't happened, and, and Calvary's been a few years back already. If anybody missed the memo, Calvary's been a few years ago, okay? And so three and a half years have not elapsed and the second coming has not come. And so again, please, it's important to note then that the he belongs to the prince or the antichrist. Another word that's important, the reason why I had you confirm, and he shall confirm the covenant because he is not creating a new covenant. He's not creating a new covenant. This is not something newly devised. He's confirming a covenant that is very, 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 everybody say very old. He is the covenant that he is confirming. This covenant right here is the Abraham, the Abrahamic, we'll call it, covenant that God made with Abraham years and years ago. So what is this covenant? In Genesis, and I'll give you scripture reference tonight, Genesis 15 and verse number 18 the Bible says, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, unto thy seed have I given, and you need to underline this land, from the river of Egypt into the great river, the river Euphrates. The covenant that God made with Abraham concerned land. That's important. The covenant that God made with Abraham concerned land. All right? It concerned Israel's right to the land, the Jews' right to the land. So, all we got to do is pause, look what's going on in our world, current events, the news, leaders of the world, what are they working over? They're working on. You've heard of the Israeli and the Palestinian conflict that's went on for years. And what the, what the major conflict and there's other things, but the major conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians is this, the land, the land. It's all concerning the land because the Jews want Israel to be recognized as a Jewish state, a Jewish state. And that's important because the Palestinians who have the religion of Islam, they're Muslims, all right, 
See, that's going to cause them to either have to uh, deny some of the rights to the land if all of that's declared as a Jewish state. Want it to be the home of the Jewish people. And so when the Abraham covenant, which concerns land, is confirmed, saying God gave that to Abraham and his people. That's what God did. Gave to Abraham and his people. He said, thy seed shall have this. Gave to Abraham and his people. They just need someone to stand up and say, that's right. And I know it kind of plays with our mind. says, man, that seems kind of weird that the Antichrist would be the one that would confirm the covenant. But that's how he's going to sneak his way into that land by allowing them, hey, that is their land. And probably in the process after that's spoken, then they'll be able to get control again of the capital, Jerusalem, get control again of the Temple Mount where they want and need to rebuild their temple to start sacrifices again and offerings again. And all that has to take place before the middle of the week because in the middle of the week, he's going to cause the sacrifices and the offerings to cease. Well, that can't happen until they get their land. So all this goes hand in hand. And so they want to be recognized. We spoke, uh, it's been several weeks ago, but a date right now that seems to be a little uh, uh, important on the calendar, if you will. And that's, it's within this month and it is April, April the 29th of this year, 2014, April the 29th of this particular year. About nine months ago, uh, Secretary of State John Kerry made a very, very uh, deep and, and, and fortified effort to go forward and get something rolling between the Israeli people and the Palestinians to make some negotiations. I've done a lot of reading of articles, news articles. Some of the information that uh, I'm sharing right now comes from the New York Times in an article called Carry in Jordan for Talks with Palestinian Leader. And it's dated March the 26th of 2014. March the 26th of 2014. But whenever all this was set in, in stage about nine months ago, their, their, their goal was to set up a comprehensive peace treaty between Israel and the Palestinians. Let's bridge the gap in this conflict. Well, over time, uh, everybody's trying to bend a little bit and bow, you know, in order to really come to peace, there has to be some compromises made. And there's not a whole lot of compromising taking place. And as a result of that, instead of having a comprehensive, a steadfast peace treaty, now they're kind of diluted that a little bit. They're bunting the ball. They're hoping just to have a framework agreement to guide the negotiations. So rather than having the sealed deal, they're hoping to have somewhat of an outline or something that they can start to work with to guide the negotiations. John Kerry asked for an extension past April the 29th. Of 2014, He wants an extension to be able to work on this and work with these two parties a little longer. But there is a man that is kind of balking at all that and he is the chairman of the Palestinians. His name, you've probably heard it, uh, Mahmoud Abbas is his name uh, of, of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. He's saying, I'm denying any possibility of extension beyond this date. Because if we can't get it figured out now, we'll never get it figured out. And so he's holding ground. No, let's not do that. Well, that makes sense. Because in order for to go on and their peace to be made, Israel's going to get what Israel wants. According to Scripture. Israel's going to get what Israel wants. But the Palestinians, of course, don't want to 
compromise in that. You've heard that there are several right now. The Israelis had had a lot of Palestinians in prison and in cells. And part of the agreement is for there to be certain periods of time that they release part of those Palestinians. And see, so they're trying to make the deal sweet for the Palestinians, rub their back, so to speak, so that, hey, we're going to give you some of these prisoners back. Now you bend our way and let us have, you know, control again over Jerusalem and let this be a Jerusalem state. But here the question is this, if more than just a framework for negotiations is met by April 29th, if a comprehensive, if you would call it, peace treaty happens by April the 29th, if something could be agreed on, could that be the confirming of the covenant? It very well could be. It very well could be. We know the Word of God tells us that when that event happens, the seven last years will take place. Now, there's something we got to consider about all this, that April 29th day. When we look back again over here at Abraham, Abraham, we'll take off the IC, Abraham is respected and revered by Christians, all right, by the Jews, and by Muslims, all right? Abraham is respected by all of those three groups. And those three groups can be found in Israel, in Jerusalem. They all respect Father Abraham. For that matter, Christianity, the Jews, and the Islam religion, they are all monotheistic, meaning they all believe in one God. Now, although Christianity is this one God idea of him representing himself in three co-equal, co-eternal, separate persons, all right? The Jews' one God idea is the one God idea you and I have. He is one God. He knows not another. All right? Um, uh, the, 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 the Muslims or the Islam religion, their one God, of course, is Allah. But they don't believe in any other but Allah. That is their one God. They're all mono theistic if you will and the, the reason there's such a, a revere and respect for Abraham for the Jews I think it's pretty well known why they revere and respect uh, Abraham he's the father of, of their whole legacy uh, so to speak and as Christians we, we identify with that as well but uh, things start to get broken if you remember, remember whenever Abraham uh, had a handmaiden by the name of Hagar uh huh, and that gave birth to Ishmael, right? <clears throat> and then we had him and Sarah. Uh huh, and from them came Isaac. Now this this is the the son of promise. This was the son that was pushed. <laughs> This is the son and the promise, this son the push. Again, if you read Old Testament Scripture, because listen, Palestinian-Israel conflict goes all the way back to the time of Abraham. This is the son that, if you remember, God said, I'll make a covenant with. You remember? Because Abraham is talking to God, and he said, God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He says, I make a covenant with Isaac. He said, the best that Ishmael's getting is a blessing. Huh? You remember that? Well, in Christian religion and Jewish religion, this is how it goes. You know, the, the, the Muslims have their Koran. That's their Bible. We have the Bible right here 
you know, the Jews, their Torah, I mean, with one another, you know, the, the Bible is derived from those old manuscripts of, uh, of the Jews. But however, whenever you read our Bible, you, we see that Abraham takes up Isaac on Mount Moriah, which the location of Mount Moriah is the location where the Dome of the Rock, rock is right now. It's where they need to rebuild their temple. Mount Moriah, where Isaac was slain, that's where the temple needs to be rebuilt. Mount Moriah, where David bought the threshing floor of Ornan and make up offerings for the sins of the people, same location. That's where the temple needs to be rebuilt that they don't have control of right now. But whenever Abraham, he took Isaac to the top of the mount and sacrificed him. You remember that? In the Quran, Abraham takes Ishmael to the top of Moriah and sacrifices him. And so, what we have, and if you'll remember, there were some problems right away between Isaac and Ishmael. Even Mama kind of caught on to it. Didn't like how the treatment was uh, of, uh, of, of, of Isaac being treated by Ishmael. But things thicken up a little bit because from Isaac and Rebekah, right? Rebecca, not every time I spell Rebecca, I want to spell like my sister's name for, just because it's just the way it is. Between Isaac and Rebecca come two boys in there. You remember the names? Jacob, Esau. What we have here, we have, we have Isaac. We understand through this part of the family tree is going to come, of course, Jacob. Through this side of the family tree is going to come the 12 tribes. Through this side, Jacob, who is also known as what? And his names change. Uh huh. Those 12 tribes, Israel. Over here is Ishmael. Over here comes the Palestinian people through the line of Ishmael. Well, what's the big deal? Well, because when we get down here to between Jacob and Esau, from Isaac and Rebekah, we still have Israel here, and go come the 12 tribes. Esau, the scripture tells us, intermarries with Ishmaelites. If you'll remember before these two boys were even born, the prophecy came upon them. There's two that are in your womb, two nations. There's a struggle, there's a war, there's a turmoil. That war has never stopped. It's the struggle, the conflict, and the turmoil that's still between the Israelis, the Israeli people, and the Palestinians still yet today. Now, they'll date that conflict with a, a, much, a much more recent date, but that goes all the way back to the times of Abraham between Ishmael and Isaac. Now, here's the thing. God, and this, this amazes me, God gave Abraham a promise, I'm going to give you a seed, and whenever Abraham thought, and Sarah thought that God needed some help, it brought Ishmaelites, and look, listen, they made a decision in a moment of not trusting God that has left us with a problem that's still in existence today. So the moral of that story is, trust God's promise and don't try to force his hand because you might get something in return that will last generations beyond you. And so there's, there's Esau and there's Jacob. There's two nations. Look, uh, for reference, Esau, he married back into this Ishmael line. So he's with these Palestinians as well. The Bible, you can see it recorded in Genesis 28 and verse number 9. And I, I know we don't have things. 28, verse number 9. There you go. Genesis 28 and verse number 9. The Bible says, Then went Esau unto Ishmael, and took unto the wives which he hath, Mahalalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and the sister of Nebajoth, 
to be his wife. So he took Ishmaelites that were already contrary to Isaac and that side of the family, all right, and he began to have children in that line of Palestinians, and God held true to his word. He told Abraham, I will not make a covenant with Ishmael. I will bless him. He did tell him he would make his descendants many, and there are a myriad, thousands upon thousands of Arabs or Palestinian people today. God held true to his word. He blessed them greatly. Yeah, bless them greatly. A lot of the oil, I mean, bless them greatly. But they are not God's covenant. They are not God's covenant people. And whenever God said, the land, the land I give to thy seed, he was talking about Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes. The land belongs to you all. The land doesn't belong to Ishmael. The land doesn't belong to Isaac and his intermingling of the Ishmaelites. No, no. It belongs to Israel. So we're talking again, folks, about a conflict that goes all the way back to Abraham's day. All right? Two people that we look at right now today uh, in Israel, and I'll try to row his name off my tongue, but the prime minister of Israel is Benjamin Netanyahu. All right? He is right now the prime minister of Israel. And then, of course, as I've already stated, the Palestinian, the Palestinian chairman, Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, these two people, there's a lot of uh, struggle right now happening between them. Again, and I, I just want to point this out. The covenant that God made with Abraham went on to his son Isaac and went from Isaac on to Jacob. That's important. The Bible states in Genesis 35 and verse 12, stay with the same book, 35 verse 12, the Bible states these words, and the land, everybody said the land. the land. That's what we're talking about here. This is the real issue. The land which I gave, this is God speaking, the land which I gave unto Abraham, uh-huh, and Isaac, yes, to thee, he's speaking to Jacob, to Jake and to thee, I will give it. What's he giving him? The land. And to what? Thy seed. Who's that? The 12 tribes which is Israel. I give to thy seed the 12 tribes after thee. I will give what? The land. The land. So, there are things that are going on. I read in another magazine called The New Republic. Uh, the title of the article was John Kerry's peace process is nearly dead and the fault is mostly uh, Netanyahu's. I probably didn't do as well that time. Netanyahu. Uh, he is causing some difficulty in the matter. It was uh, written March the 25th of 2014, and I, I quote directly from it. It says, according to Kerry's plan, which both sides endorse, the Israelis and the Palestinians would reach a final status agreement by that April 29th date of this year. And quote, unquote, it also says, so Kerry wanted the parties to resolve key issues. Here are the key issues between the parties, including borders, Jerusalem, is the capital security water rights refugees in those nine months but it says formal talks began in august but broke down by november no agreement was reached on any of the final status issues in addition netanyahu had introduced a new issue here's the jewish side introducing a new issue that the palestinians must not merely grant recognition to israel as other countries had done because remember they got their statehood in May 1948, he said, just don't want recognition for Israel, but more specifically, Israel won't recognize it as a Jewish state. Further in the article, it says, but when Netanyahu made the term 
an unconditional demand in negotiations. He made clear that it meant that the Palestinians would have to recognize that the Jews, listen to this, this is awesome, had a legal right to Israel based on biblical history that took precedence over their own claims to the land. Netanyahu was not simply demanding that the Palestinians adopt a common sense use language, but they denied their own historical ties to the land. He says, in order for us to get this peace taken over, he says, you got to just totally relinquish any right that you have to the land that God gave to my father Abraham and to his son Isaac and to his son Jacob and to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now again, we know, and we have talked about, and I'll get rid of some of this mess, that Israel was rebirthed, if you will, as a nation in May, I believe it was the 14th of 1948, all right? Uh, they, were, they were brought back in as a nation, recognized as a nation. I want to just talk about that just a little bit. Man, I, oh, I got to run. Let's run. Uh, Isaiah 66 in verse number 7, the Bible says, before she travailed, she brought forth. In other, before she had labor, she brought forth a child. That's peculiar. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who have heard of such a thing? Who have seen such, a, such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Now, if you look at this in Isaiah 66, it's very prophetic. Isaiah is describing a woman that's giving birth before she even went into labor. Before she ever had any pain, she is given birth. And the uniqueness in, in this, he even is asking the question, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? He says, or, he says, shall, shall a woman bring forth in one day, or shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation, everybody say nation, be born at once? Shall, 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 shall it happen at once? This is peculiar. Because what happens, this scripture in essence describes what happened back on May the 14th of 1948. The Jews declared their independence for Israel as a united, sovereign nation represented again. They had not been that for thousands, a few thousand years. And during, listen now, during that same day, during that same day, the United States issued even a statement recognizing Israel's sovereignty as a nation, and in that same day, just a few hours earlier, the United Nations set forth a mandate because that area of Israel, Israel had been controlled under British powers, and just a few hours before she got her independence, those powers, there was a mandate to take those British powers away from Israel in one day, one day, 24 hours, without any fighting without pain without labor Israel says we're a nation the control that was on them was taken off and she was birthed the nation was birthed before there was any labor or pain to take place amen and the reason one of the, another reason why this happened before 1948 in the early 1800s there was a group in a movement called the Zionists and the Zionists began to encourage Jews that were dispersed among all the nations to start uh, returning home worldwide to start returning back to Jerusalem to the land that was at that time 
called Palestine because the Palestinians were wanting control of the land. But folks, the idea is this. In just a 24-hour span of time, foreign control of the land was just stopped. Israel declared her independence, and she was recognized by others because she no sooner got her independence and there was a war that broke out of countries that were around her. Egypt and Jordan and Syria and Lebanon and Iraq and Saudi Arabia went to war with Israel just a few short hours after she became a nation. And what is important is this. Her independence was not a result of that war, but her independence birthed a war because they recognized Hey, she's a nation. Those are the Jewish people. They are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And modern day Israel was literally born in one day. And so the Jews need to return home. And the Jews need that land. And they need Jerusalem. And they need the Temple Mount because they got to be able to rebuild their temple. And in all of this that we see taking place, uh, there's a scripture that comes back to my mind of Luke 21 and verse 28 where the scripture says, and when these things, everybody say, begin begin when you see these things begin to come to pass then look up lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh now something interesting also on this priest this priest peace factor here they have had somebody working on peace for years they called it the quartet of the middle east what it consists of four basic groups consists of the united states it consists of russia these next two seemed a little just interesting to me. This other two that have been working on peace over there for years is the United Nations and the European Common Market, European Union. We've talked about the United Nations and, and the European Common Market because we've looked at those perhaps where those ten horns or ten toes are going to issue from. Now, it would seem like them wanting to try to get peace done there too. That would all be through the handiwork of God because the quicker that peace happens there, the quicker he the one that's going to rise among the ten, the Antichrist, can confirm the covenant and it can get the timetable rolling for the tribulation that's going to happen in the future. But the Bible says that in the middle, if we go on to verse number 27, in the middle of the week, in the middle of the week, that there's going to be something that is going to happen. Uh, the Abraham covenant is confirmed. The Jews receive full access and control again of where the Temple Mount is. They undoubtedly will start to rebuild their temple and start their sacrifices again. But in the middle of that week, of that covenant that they will have made, or, or confirmed rather, use the right terminology, confirmed, in the middle of that week, uh, there is going to come an attack against the sacrifices and against the offerings that start to reoccur in the temple. And he, the Antichrist, son of perdition, all the different labels that uh, equal him, he is going to cause them to stop right in the middle. And right in the middle, again, if you will remember, is three and a half years in, which will leave three and a half years after that point in time. The Bible makes mention of this. Jesus even warns of us this in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15, the Bible says, And when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation is the Antichrist entering into that temple and stopping sacrifices and stopping offerings and presuming the placement of God himself. 
That's the abomination of desolation. There's nothing any more uh, of abomination than him walking into the temple proclaiming himself to be God. He says, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, he refers back to Daniel, stand in the holy place, and whoso readeth, let him understand. And there's other verses that go forth that speaking of this time, and then he comes to verse 21, and he says, and this is where we get the terminology, he says, for then... At that abomination, desolation. I'm going to put desolation right here. He says, when you see that, then at this time frame, he says, is great tribulation. This full seven-year time period is not great tribulation. It's tribulation. But whenever you reach the three-and-a-half-year mark and the abomination of desolation takes place, the Antichrist goes into the temple, stops the sacrifices and the offerings, and presumes as God in that place, that is the start then of great tribulation that will last for the other three-and-a-half years, which again what? Corresponds with Daniel 7, where it talks about time, times, and the dividing of time. That's three and a half in the book of Revelation 13, where it speaks of 42 months, that they'd be trodden underfoot, 42 months in Revelation chapter 12 where it speaks of the 1,260 uh, uh, days. <laughs> I was trying to think. 1,260 days. All those refer to that same time. It's this block of time of three and a half years of the great tribulation. As a matter of fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 24 and it goes through and talks about the disciples asking what shall be the signs of your coming and he gives quite a long explanation about what are going to be some of those times it's really kind of broken down in Matthew 24. If you look at Matthew 24 and look at verses around 4 through 14, and I'll do this. This is 24. This is Matt, okay? Matt, sorry, that looks like an H. Matt 24, <laughs> 4 through 14. That speaks of a, the, the beginning of this time, of this seven years. It speaks about the beginning of sorrows. Whenever you get to verses 15 through 19... It starts to talk about this, this middle section right there. It speaks about the abomination of desolation. Whenever you get to verses like 20 through 22, it's talking about this other block of time right there, and it begins to describe the last half great tribulation, things that will take place in those. So Matthew 24 is really, it shows you these different divisions of time in that last week. If you look in your Bibles at Daniel 9, verse 27, that's what we're on. Amen. Daniel 9, verse 27. I just want to make a few comments as I read through this verse, okay? The Bible says in Daniel 9, verse 27, and he, again, the he refers to the prince, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant. He's confirming it, not creating. The covenant that's being confirmed is Abraham's covenant concerning the land. With many, the Jews... And Palestinians, for that matter, because they're going to have to come to agreement on this. All right? For one week, remember week, it's a unit of seven. Remember that word there? It's a unit of seven. So seven years. In the midst of the week, that's the three and a half year point, he, again, this is not Messiah, this is the prince, this is the Antichrist, shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Now, what that tells me, if he's causing the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, then it indicates to me there must be a Jewish temple rebuilt. And there has not been a temple in existence since it was destroyed in New Testament Scripture 
by the Romans under the hand of Titus around 70 AD. There has never since that time frame had never been a other temple. And so in order for there anything to be stopped, there has to be something restarted. Uh-huh. And for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation. And that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. In other words, what is determined shall be given to the one who made everything desolate. What, what is determined shall be given to the Antichrist. What, what he has got coming to him is going to come. That's what he's saying. Now, if Antichrist put a stop to the sacrifices and the offerings, if he's going to do that, then the Jews got to have a temple. And presently, they don't have a temple. For that matter, they don't even have access like they should have to the temple mount. All right, they don't have access to that. That's where the Muslims have their Dome of the Rock, their, their Islam shrine, and so there must be a temple rebuilt. And it, can, can you give me just a little bit more time because I'm not turning this into a 14D, okay? It's not happening. If you need to leave, please leave. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not happening. Um, we've discussed before. Remember the Temple Institute in Jerusalem? They're making the temple instruments already, all right? I just want to bring that back to the forefront of our minds. They're making instruments and vessels already so that they will be prepared Whenever the covenant is confirmed, they'll be prepared. They won't have to be trying to get ready. They'll be ready to start rebuilding and already have all the instrument, instrumentation ready for it. Hit the ground rubbing. They have already weaved the garments of the high priest together. They've already weaved the garments of the high priest together. They have already concocted the incense as to be offered upon the altar of incense in the holy place. It's sitting there just waiting for a temple to go in. Uh, some scholars, they make reference to a little booklet called The Treasures of the Temple, and it shows some of the things that they have already prepared. And the Jews have already got the vessel ready that's going to collect the blood that comes from the bulls. They already got the vessel ready to, to capture the blood. They got the trumpet. Trumpets already remade so they can sound the trumpets. They already got the musical instruments already uh, created. They got the plate for the high priest's turban that already written on it there in their language, holiness unto the Lord just like the Old Testament scripture prescribes. And I read just here recently, on May the 21st of 2009, on May the 21st of 2009, there is a, a, a group of, of people, they, they, are, they are called, if I'm fine, they are called, uh, I'm missing them, uh, the Temple Mount and Land of Israel Faithful Movement. In May 21st of 2009, they took, they already got the cornerstone to the temple built. The cornerstone. They already got it built. And they transported this in a parade in 2009 and went by the Temple Mount location. They couldn't go up there because they don't have control of it yet, but they went by with the cornerstone to the Temple Mount that they plan on building and they paraded by there. They tried to put it on there, but the government and everybody stopped and you can't do this. And there was a Jewish man there named Levi and he made this remark. It blessed my heart so well. He said, it's not time yet. He said, but the high priests are ordering their garments. Yeah. Woo, Hallelujah. He said, we don't have access to that yet. He said, but the high priest, they already got their order in for the garments. You're, we're just waiting for the word go. Now, this is recent. On December the 4th of 2013, this is just the ending of last year, this movement of people made a couple declarations. Again, bless me understanding the scheme of things of where we are. Their declaration was this. They said, stop pressuring Israel to, to divide her land between the Palestines and the Jews. Stop pressuring Israel to divide her land and Jerusalem and to make the Holy Temple Mount an Islamic site. He said, you waste your time and betray God. Israel will never fall again. 
The holy temple mount should immediately be purified, they said. And the holy third temple should be built by Israel without delay. When Jesus comes back to the earth that second time to set up his millennial reign, there's going to be a temple in Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, a temple is described. John records it in Revelation 11 and verse number 1. He speaks, he says, There was a reed given me like a rod, unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure what? The temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court that is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given to the Gentiles, and the holy said he shall tread underfoot, what? 42, 40 and 2 months. So, if the Antichrist is going to stop sacrifice and offerings, he has to have some place to go in order to do that. If he's going to presume himself as God in the temple, he has to have somewhere to go in order to do that. And that's going to be whenever this temple gets rebuilt and all this takes place. And you can see how then in Matthew 24 that there might be some Jews wanting to flee to the mountains if there is a false Christ that enters in their temple and stops sacrifices and offerings and presumes that place as being his kingdom and pronouncing himself to be God. And so all of this makes sense if we have a temple when Christ returns. And if he, and there will be, but when that, there is a temple whenever Christ returns, we can go all the way back to verse number 24. There being a present temple then, one of those things of the six, remember? that will take place in the 490 years or the 70 weeks to anoint the most holy. Remember, that's not a person, that's a place. Whenever Christ comes, there'll be a temple because he's going to anoint the holy place. Uh-huh. He's going to bring an end to Israel's sin, an end to their war, if you will, with the saints. He'll take away their sins. He'll do as Ezekiel prophesied. He'll take away that heart of flesh and he'll put a new heart within them. Mm-hmm. he'll be just as he spoke and they'll walk in his statutes and they'll keep his commandments what that relationship will be bridged that gap will be settled all this that's been trying to be done all these years them quite not just flying right is going to be solved at that moment in time whenever he comes back and then he'll pour out the desolation if you will upon the one who is deserving of it the one who made everything desolate and that is the antichrist that is the enemy that is uh, the one that is the one warned against our soul. If you'll stand with me, it's 820. I got 10 minutes left. Just real quickly, I'm going to go just through 10 things. This is a recommendation, actually, or something that my wife shared with me. She said whenever she was in some of her uh, chemistry classes in college one of her doctors doctors gross they always went over so much material he would give them maybe just 10 or five key things that this is out of all this, this is really what you need to remember well this is what you need to remember 10 things from the past three weeks all right you listen if you want to tuck anything back in your brain and remember remember these 10 things here we go weeks all right is just a unit of sevens all right, just a unit of sevens. And there's six things in verse number 26 that's going to occur in that 490 year. You want to remember that. You need to remember that from the going forth of the commandment, it concerns the city, Jerusalem, not the temple. You got to remember that. 69 weeks, it's 69 weeks until the public proclamation of Christ being the Messiah. That's where it's until proclamation public proclamation of Jesus Christ being spoken of as Messiah the Prince the other thing number five you need to remember after the 69 weeks that's the crucifix that's the destruction of the city and of the temple number six what you need to remember 
Evidently, because the people of the prince destroyed Jerusalem, remember? And what that tells us then, the Antichrist is coming somewhere from the revived Roman Empire. That's another thing to remember. Number seven, remember the time gap between the 69th week and the 70th week. Number eight, remember that whoever confirms the covenant, that's the man. That's the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. Number nine, remember there's a break in the middle of the week that starts the great tribulation and the seizing of, of, of the sacrifices and all that. And lastly, number 10, in order for all this to take place, they don't have a temple, so there's going to have to be another temple rebuilt. And that's what all this covenant and confirmation for the land that you see back and forth a lot in the news right now and read news articles between the Palestinians and the Jews. Again, folks, it's a conflict that goes all the way back with Father Abraham, Ishmael and Isaac, Esau and Jacob, and has continued even to this day that God's about ready to set the record straight. God's about ready to set the record straight. Amen. Come back next week. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.